everyone and welcome back to another episode of the chronicles of a sunflower uh today i have a very special guest here with me today uh she's been somebody that i've grown up with and i haven't seen her in a long time since since high school mm -hmm. so i'm just glad to be able to have her back here with me and uh just before I start, I did want to let know that uh, Jenny is actually the person that has brought this whole idea come to life. When I um, when I was starting my journey of podcasting, I had been thinking of what I was going to do, like what was going to be the theme of this podcast. And, you know, Jenny came up with a plan and she told me, she was like, hey, like, why don't you just, you know, interview people that have meant a lot to you and in your life? So... Here I am, almost a year later, and now I'm interviewing her. So please give a warm welcome to Jenny. Hi, this is Jenny. Um, well, thanks for having me. Everybody's experiencing a real-life reunion right now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for I don't know how many years it's been, but this is live in action reunion. So um, the first question that I remember you asking me or asked to talk about was how we met each other, maybe a little bit about me. So mm -hmm. the first memory that I have of you was maybe when we were eight or nine, first, first, I think first grade or second grade. Mm -hmm. uh, I had just gotten here from Mexico and my parents sent me to school like a couple days after we got here, straight to school, but I didn't speak English. So I remember hearing you and a couple girls speak English. I mean Spanish, sorry. Very and good. I was like these girls are speaking Spanish. So I instantly was attracted to you guys and mm -hmm. I felt like I connected with you because you could understand me. You spoke the same language as me. So I don't know what these kids were saying to me. I can only imagine that they were making fun of me. I didn't, I didn't know it. I didn't know English at the time. So that's my first memory of you and these two other girls that I cannot recall, but <laughs> I just remember you guys being so nice to me, mm -hmm. and I was able to communicate with you guys. Um, and then after a while, like, we basically grew up together, elementary school. Right. Our moms knew each other, Our especially, like, my mom with your grandma. They were, oh, like, very yes. good friends. <laughs> yeah, and my mom would always say, like, me saludas a Karen, me saludas a su mamá, a su abuelita, and I mean, my mom would always say check up on her when her family was going through the whole thing with your brother, and mm -hmm. at that time, I didn't really understand. I think we both didn't really know, like, what was going on or, like, right. the level of, like, seriousness, but my mom just said, like, be there for her and as long as we were playing and we were happy I think everything for us was okay yeah so then after elementary school I went to a different middle school and we reconnected again in high school mm -hmm. through church we did a retreat together we did our um, confirmation classes together yeah we stayed in the same bunk beds um <laughs> in a cabin god knows where we were <laughs> but you know we were doing this retreat um and we did a hike up to some mountain mm -hmm. blindfolded just holding on to each other i don't think that was the best idea but right but we were just doing what we were told <laughs> so and then another fun thing that I had mentioned before was that Karen is only one day older than me, yes. which is funny. And then we're from the exact same town in Mexico, which is Morelia, Michoacán. Very odd that we reconnected <laughs> back. Right. But yeah, that's a little bit about us and how we met throughout the years. Yeah, I remember, I think 
I don't know if you remember, Jenny, but you know how, like, we all have, like, a little vaccine? Oh, yes, <laughs> and I think, I don't know why, I don't know if it was you or who it was, but mm-hmm. I do remember showing somebody, like, I was like, hey, because all the kids here, you know, because I, I arrived here mm-hmm. um, and I started going to Olive in first grade. Yeah. So I would show the kids my little, like, <laughs> <Your> vaccine mark, <laughs> mark yeah. and I'd be like, look, it's because I'm from Mexico. Yeah. Like, people from Mexico have this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I did show you, but anyways, I do have that. The... We compared yeah. marks. <laughs> <laughs> we compared marks. I'm sure we did at some point. Yeah. I, I remember I used to do that all the time, too. So I'm sure we did at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And, you know, I'm just so glad that, you know, you have that memory of me of mm-hmm. like hearing me talk in Spanish because I also did struggle a lot, mm-hmm. you know, like it was it was rough. I mean, we had our second grade teacher was Mr. Spacer, right? Yes. And yeah. he did he barely speak Spanish? I think so. I think right? he tried, but like more in like a funny way. Right. Like he would always say frijol, like beans and oh stuff my gosh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> that man was something else. I know he was something else. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He was something. But um, when we were kids, uh, what was a memory that you hold very close to your heart? Well, besides from that and just like growing up together, I remember a couple times. For some reason, this is like, I I just remember it all the time was Uh like when my mom would drive you home. I don't know why, like, after school, it would be like, oh, my God, like, we're going to get in the same car, even though I'm not going to stay at your house. I'm going to go and drop you off at home. (laughs) I don't know why, like, that stuck with me, but I just thought it was so cute. Like, I felt like I had, like, a third sister because we're taking you home, so it's like you're part of the family now. Uh, Yeah, and you know what's also weird? I forgot to mention. See, we just have, like, (laughs) we just have too many things in common. (laughs) Yeah. But... Your mom, she had this, uh, um, what was it called? It was uh, this red expedition. Yeah. And my mom has a blue expedition. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was just like, yeah, I know. It was so, it was so interesting, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think one of my favorite memories that I, uh, that I remember with you is the journal. We had this oh, journal. Right. That we <laughs> yeah. would, oh my goodness, that we would write. We would we would write about our day or mm-hmm. something and then we would give it back yeah. to the other person and then write again. I don't know what happened to that yeah, journal. I, I wonder where that journal <laughs> yes. Cause the things we would talk about. I you know? know. Yeah. It would be nice to like go back and like reflect and see like I mean like we were worrying about this and like <laughs> look at us I now. Know. Yeah. Um since you were young, did you know that you wanted to become a nurse or what was like a particular moment that inspired you to, you know, make that dream come true? Well, nursing wasn't really my first option. I mm-hmm. really, the thing that I really wanted to do was be a teacher. Oh, I just feel oh, like okay. I love imparting my knowledge onto other people and occasionally I'll tutor like, uh, pre-nursing students that are going through like biology and then taking their entrance exams or whatever it is and then when I was in nursing school the friends that I had my way of like studying was by teaching them and that was helpful for them and it was helpful for me so I just I loved the idea of being a teacher but then when my grandpa passed away we brought my grandma over from Mexico Mm -hmm. and she started getting like having a bunch of health conditions she was in and out of the hospital 
And I just remember sitting in the ICU with her one day and she was, she kept saying that she was asking for a warm blanket like the whole day, but Uh no one understood her because she only spoke Spanish. And Uh I said, I'm going to be a nurse and I'm going to treat my patients like, not like these nurses do. Uh And I'm bilingual, so I'm going to be able to help so many patients, especially in this area or in California itself. Uh And I just said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a nurse. And it's perfect because I'm such a selfless person. I put other people first and I love taking care of people. So I just chose from that on. And I was young when I chose it in high school And I didn't think about the job security. I didn't think that nurses made good money. That was Mm -hmm. never a thought that crossed my mind. Sure, now as an adult, I think about those things because you kind of have to. But back then, that was like my number one goal was just to take care of people, basically. Wow. Mm -hmm. So did your grandma ever end up getting that blanket or or no? (laughs) eventually yes okay wow man that's you know because yeah i do remember sometimes like you know i have i have gone to like hospitals Mm -hmm. with like my grandmas yeah and yeah usually i i never find a a a nurse nurse. yeah hispanic nurse it's always like you know somebody that's like white you know so on my unit so my unit is a pretty big unit and it's mostly Filipino nurses, mm-hmm. like older Filipino nurses. Um, and then there's the next uh, race, I would say, would be like Americans. And I think I'm one out of two or three right. Hispanic nurses, <gasps> which is crazy. Why? Because, well, you know, the area we live in, I work nearby, so it's just crazy that there's not a lot of Hispanic nurses for whatever reason. It's just like, I feel, it feels nice to be able to help. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I did not, see, that explains why I barely bump into somebody that's like Hispanic and is a nurse. (laughs) Wow, man. Well, that's amazing, Jenny. Congratulations for doing that. You're out there representing (laughs) the community. Yeah. if you could be able to describe your nursing school experience to people who are aspiring to be nurses, what would you tell them? I would say be ready <laughs> to be stressed. <laughs> and you got a little taste of that. You were saying like when you were doing prerequisite classes to right. like try to be a nurse also, like you were super un- under a lot of stress. And that's yeah. your pre prerequisite courses. Nursing school is like a whole nother ball game. Um, just to give you a little like example of what our schedule looked like, it uh-huh. was because um, when you're in a normal major, like let's say you're a business major, English major, you go to school, you do your test, you go home and you study. There's no outside work that needs to be done. Right. My friend actually, uh, she's a liberal arts major and she had to do an internship like I think one of her semesters and that was her requirement. In nursing school, you do clinicals, you do skills labs. So a typical week for me, maybe my junior year was, let's say Monday, we had our critical care um, clinical. So we were at the hospital before the nurses got there, let's say 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then we did a post-clinical huddle that took another hour or two. So you're there the whole day. 
then you gotta go home. By the way, you're working for free. You're shadowing these nurses, but they don't really let students do much, so you're kind of just there. Then you go home, you study, you do your assignments, and then let's say on Tuesday, Mm -hmm. you have lecture for two to three hours. You Mm -hmm. still gotta go home, do other things. Wednesday, you have, let's say, your skills lab. That's another two, three hours that you're doing skills and you're working on all that. Still gotta go home, do all your other things. And then Thursday, you have another lecture class, let's say, for example. And then once you get to your senior year, you have clinicals twice a week. So Friday, you'll do like your pediatric clinical. And maybe the hospital's far. Maybe it's a half an hour, 45 minute drive. Ours was. And you're there the same time again, 6 a.m. to like 5 p.m. So you're not only focused on your exams. You're focused on skills. You're focused on clinicals. And boy, do you have an exam every week. Every Every week? Every single week. Not for the same class, but you have an exam every week. And these exams, uh, you have to get a certain grade. So in my uh, nursing program, the basic was 75%. So if you didn't get a 75% on a test or your class, you got dropped from the program or you had to retake the course. Oh my gosh. Other nursing schools have it up to like 85%. So they'll say anything below and for us, anything below 75% was failing. For other schools, anything below 85% is failing. It's just like, it's cutthroat. You really have to like find people that support each other, study Mm -hmm. groups. I mean, it's hard, but it's worth it at the end. And I would say if you really want to be a nurse, you're just, you're just stick through it. You can do it. You, it's so hard and nobody knows what your nursing school is like unless you've been through nursing school. So just find people that you're able to like talk smack about (laughs) if you can, because that's such a good like stress reliever. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that is crazy. Exam every week, like oh yeah, we're all be here and like hard too. Oh my gosh, no no no. I mean, I'm, we're all be here like stressing about midterms and discussion <laughs> questions and whatnot. But having an exam every week, yeah. Oh my gosh. So, how would you even handle your social life then? Was your social life just like the people that you would study with? That was oh, your yeah. You don't have a social life. Your social life is your uh, clinical group. So like I was telling you earlier, my clinical group was 10 people. Uh It was mostly women and then there was two males on our clinical group. But even then, my group was very catty. I don't know why. The three girls that I connected to the most, I still keep in touch with them. But the other clinical group, I don't know why they were super catty. And at one point, there was this test bank of questions that was going around like Mm -hmm. questions that the professor was using on the exam and for some reason everybody in the group had them but us so me and these three girls were like failing out of the class we're thinking we're gonna have to switch majors do something else one day during clinical we hear them over talk about this like study guide they were calling it and supposedly they thought that we had it too yeah right this Huh. The other group of girls has that's failing habit so eventually they let us like see it and everything we didn't like memorize the questions like they were but still it was like after that it was hard to trust 
anybody in the group right especially because they would talk about each other amongst themselves as well so even if i wanted to be social i couldn't because why would i want to hang out with people like that like why would i want to associate myself with them right so yeah Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. See, that's one thing that I've, uh, even for me, um, when my parents started telling me like, oh, so what's going to happen after CSUSM? Mm-hmm. Like, are, yeah. are you going to go to law school? Or, and, you know, that is like, I mean, I don't know how much, you know, it was to go to nursing mm-hmm. school for you. But yeah, like, that's like a lot of things. One of the things that I like think about, like, if that's going to be like, happening at some point in my life it's just like what's gonna happen to my social life like how am I going to because you know everybody like we all love to go out we all love to experience and whenever you see like your friends like everybody hanging out Mm -hmm. and you can't be there like it sucks definitely (laughs) it sucks but um you know, talking about nursing, being far away from home can be scary. When I found out that you went to pursue nursing school, I really admire you for that. Not many women who are Hispanic have the possibility and even like the courage to just like, you know, go out there because our culture taught us that the only way we would be able to like move out of the house was by getting married, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, how have you been able to break through these types of status quos? Well, unfortunately, even back then, it's not that that was that many years ago, but that's still a very common thing. Right. And I know a lot of people don't see it because they don't come from deep traditional families like ours that like we literally picked up and came from Mexico. Right. Like some people don't see that because you're not like rooted from Mexico you're Hispanic and everything I'm not trying to take anything away from you but Mm -hmm. that's like how our parents were raised and they brought all those things with us fortunately like that was never really an issue like in my family like not hardcore we were able to kind of fight back on those things Mm -hmm. my parents are still very like strict on the whole like so I don't live with them anymore and they're like super upset that I'm living somewhere else unmarried (laughs) so Uh, it's still like a huge issue but at that time of the pandemic when I was going to nursing school I was not working and I was not going to school. Mm -hmm. My whole family was home the whole day. Granted, me and my dad has never had a good relationship, Mm -hmm. but just being with each other every single day and seeing each other 24-7, it just brought up so much problems and we butted heads so much that moving away to school was kind of like a like relief for me it was kind of an escape for me (laughs) right right and I was so far it's six hours from here I was so far that it wasn't like they were gonna come over to my house or like I was gonna go to their house and in a way that kind of fixed our relationship a little bit because we would only see each other like two to three days like every three months or every Mm. six months And it was like they appreciated my presence more and I appreciated them way more. So it kind of fixed our relationship in a way. And I'm so thankful for that too because nursing school is hard. Like I was telling you, you lose your social life and you know, like a Hispanic family, you got to do everything together. They're always all up on your business. Yes. So I don't think I would have been able to do good in school had my family been living with me mm-hmm. had my mom been like oh like vente a mirar la tele like in la noche or something like <laughs> yes. come hang out with us or something right so in a way it was good it was kind of good i don't know that i broke 
some sort of like stereotype or mm-hmm. like broke through like the Hispanic barriers or something but overall it was good for me to be able to go to school somewhere else wow yeah yeah no you bring up like so many important points because yeah like I I think I think you are one of the few that um one of the few friends that I grew up with as a child that were actually from over there. Like, yeah. I think the only other person that I know that is from Mexico, too, is Citlali. You remember oh, yeah. her, right? Yes. Yeah. But other than that, I don't I don't really recall, like, any mm-hmm. of the other kids. And so, um, so, yeah, like, just hearing how when I saw that you, like, moved, yeah. I was like, man, like, she left. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, and I remember telling Adriana, I was like, Jenny left. Like, she she went to go study nursing. Yeah. And I thought I was like, I, I remember telling my sisters, like, I was like, man, like, that's so nice that, you know, that you were able to mm-hmm. just go out there because, yeah, some sometimes, like, my parents, like, they will be like, oh, but, you know, like, maybe I want to go uh, have a job over there in San Diego, and they'll be like, no, but, like, why do you want to go so far, and I'm like, but, I'm like, but Vero, my older sister's Mm -hmm. over there, like, you know, like, maybe it's a good thing to have her, like, over there, and no, you know, they're just that kind of, like, you know, they want you close by, and, you know, I could see, I could see why, but, yeah, sometimes, like, it's good to become independent you know and it's it's really awesome that like you were able to like you know have like a more uh better relationship yeah it's nice so um so working in a hospital can be very challenging Mm -hmm. how have you been able to handle the stressful circumstances and what do you do to cope with them when you get home so we were just talking about this. That, yes. like, when you're an empathetic person, you cannot just turn it off. Right. I will go home. I have a straight face at work, smile and everything. If I have a patient that dies in one room, I have to go to my next room and act like nothing happened. Oh, I have nice. to put a smile on and I have to be like, everything is okay. Mm-hmm. Even though not nothing is okay. Right. When I go home, my stress relief is I cry like a baby I just cry and I mourn for the patients I mourn for what I have gone through work and that's just like one of the things that I do because like we said you can't just turn it off you're thinking about these things for a long time right and I think you learn to like what works best for you that's one of the things that works best for me as well as hanging out with my family and specific, I'm going to, my sister, my older sister, she's going to listen to this, so I'm going <laughs> to call her out specifically. She used to be a CNA, so she understands, like, a nurse aide. She understands what it is to work with older patients. That's my, my patient population is from, like, 60 to 102 years old. That's the oldest patient that I've had, was 102. Wow. And so she understands what it's like to work with these older patients. Mm-hmm. And she's the only person that will will understand. And she's the only person that asks, how was work? And I know what you're feeling. And she's able to just relate to it from when she used to be a nurse aide. And I thank her so much for being able to kind of like help me out through my emotions. And I'll just send her like a voice message, like ranting for hours. Just be (laughs) like, yeah, I feel this way because of this, because of that. So really having a close friend, a close relative to be able to talk about things is Mm -hmm. really nice. 
And in nursing school, that's like your peers because you're all going through the same thing. And right. it could be your mom, it could be your dog, it can be really anybody that will listen to you. Sometimes I even talk to myself because yeah. <laughs> sometimes you just have to do that. You just just let it out because if if it builds up inside of you, you'll only like grow to be angry. You'll grow to be too sad and you just gotta like let it out. Right. Or, you know, other simple things too that people find like going to a coffee shop, getting a coffee, trading right. yourself, like buying something. You can always make more money. You can always recover the money. But that feeling that you get when you treat yourself, like that you can't put a price on that. You right. shouldn't put a price on that. If you want to buy a PlayStation and you only have 500 bucks, but you know you're getting paid next week, granted it's not the best financial decision, but I mm -hmm. think you should do it if it's going to make you happy in the long run. So right. that's like my take on that. Wow. No, yeah, I think, I don't know why, it's because at, at work, um, the attorneys, they still have the mm -hmm. MSN uh, kind of yeah. like uh, news report. Mm -hmm. And every single time I, I will probably like check it out and see like, oh yeah, like what's, what's up today? Yeah. And I remember there was a there was a statistic that I was seeing about like how there was also a high rating in nurses like committing suicide because oh, yeah. of just the work and everything that they mm -hmm. see. So, you know, thank you so much for being out there. I mean, you're honestly, yeah, you're the only one that I know that is a nurse <laughs> that actually fulfilled that, yeah. you know, that duty of, you know, just being there for patients yeah. because, I mean... I haven't had the opportunity to see somebody, like, die, you know, mm -hmm. or be there when somebody died. Um, and I don't know. I feel like, you know, me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big time crybaby. <laughs> big, big time. Yeah. So, like, I I don't know. I feel like, you know, if, I, if I'm already crying here about cases that I see, I don't even know how it would be like to actually mm -hmm. see somebody, like, yeah. leaving or trying to you know, get them to come back, yeah. you know, because have you ever had to do that by any chance? Like, oh, yeah, my well, so when I was in nursing school, I worked as a nurse assistant. Yeah. And I had an externship. So which is another thing I really recommend for nursing students is get an externship, maybe like your third or fourth semester when you're comfortable in nursing school, because it get it takes time to adjust to it. Right. So the externship was one 12 hour shift a week. And you got to shadow a nurse. And some by the end of my externship, I was already taking one or two patients on my own. So it really helps with your confidence. It helps with your skills. And part of that is um, you get to be a nurse assistant too. So mm. I worked twice a week as a nurse assistant. And once a week was my externship. You can only imagine adding that to the mix of nursing school. But anyways... <laughs> So my first emergency was as a nurse aide. Like, I went to go get the patient. It's so crazy. Patient was talking to me completely mm -hmm. fine. I went to go get him water. I come back. Patient's blue in the face, like, <gasps> uh, not responding or anything. So I call the nurse over. They said, they call it in the hospital as a code blue, which is a uh -huh. cardiac emergency, a heart attack. Essentially, that's what it is. And the nurse's assistants are usually in charge of doing, like, chest compressions, like right. CPR. So I started the chest compressions. Weirdest feeling ever is to press on somebody's chest on their rib cage. Right. And so I'm doing, like, these chest compressions. The doctors come in in a hurry and everything. They intubate the patient, which is, like, basically putting, like, a 
like a big thick straw in their throat so they can breathe, so they can deliver um, oxygen. Wow. I had never seen this before. And I, th- I just thought about this patient for weeks. I don't oh even know if the patient made it because they take them to the intensive care unit afterwards. And I just thought about this for weeks. I thought about this one patient. Every time I had somebody else in that room, I said, that was my first emergency. Now, as a nurse, you're responsible for the codes. You're responsible for the emergencies. You're the one mm-hmm. that tells the doctor who this is, what their problem is, and like how you kind of help direct the code in a way, help direct the doctor. So it's a lot of responsibilities, but you kind of not, I don't want to say get used to it, but it's right. kind of like you have to do this. You cannot be like queasy. You cannot be like somewhere else. This is your patient. You're responsible. Like you take care of it. So that was my experience in like my first emergency. Oh my goodness. Wow. And how old were you? Um, how old was I? So last year, let me do the math. (laughs) So last year, oh, I think I was like 21, actually. You were 21? I think I was 21 or 22. Oh my goodness. Something like that, yeah. No, 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 no. See, like, it's like those types of things that, Mm -hmm. like, when you actually witness, like, the process of death right in front of you, like, it's, oh man, that is, like, out of the blue, like, he just... Yeah, it's the craziest thing to be talking to a patient one minute and then the next they're like completely lethargic not responsive and because i work with older patients a lot of them are under what we call dnr status like do not resuscitate which means like whatever happens you just let them pass peacefully no chest compressions or anything like that so you just like see one patient one minute like talking to you and because so Fun fact, not fun fact, but just as a fact, when somebody is getting ready to pass away, they get this burst of energy. They just start talking. They like sometimes get up and sit up right in their bed. Like it's crazy. And you just know like, oh man, like this patient's about to pass. So yeah, so I was getting this report from this patient and completely fine at the beginning of my shift. And I just walk into the room and just like, it, the patient is gone just just like that it's the craziest thing ever to be like I was just talking to you and now you're gone but in a way over the years I learned that um, I don't get sad because of the patient yes I mourn their like loss and I'm sad that they had to pass away but they're no longer suffering now they're with their family somewhere and mm-hmm. I work with older adults so it gives me like satisfaction to know they lived a long life usually like oh like 90s or whatever what makes me most sad and affects me the most is thinking about the family and how they're gonna feel i just think somebody lost their grandpa somebody Mm -hmm. lost their dad somebody lost their uncle and that's what makes me sad is when the family comes in and they just see like you know they were fine yesterday like what happened and it's unexplainable there it's just from age it just like happened so yeah wow no yeah that's oof man so usually you work with older patients yeah so 
I work on a telemetry floor, which is cardiac patients. Mm. Uh, it's called telemetry because they're all like being monitored. We place like uh, stickers on their chest. Yeah. And it monitors their heart rhythm. And at the nurses' station, we have these screens that are monitoring their heart rates. Right. And there's like all types of deadly rhythms that they can go to and rhythms that they live with their whole life. Wow. So I like it because there's kind of like a critical thinking aspect to it. And when I was a CNA and an extern, that's the floor that I worked on. So Mm -hmm. that's like my home floor. I feel most comfortable there. And you really only see cardiac problems if you're older. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my patient population is like 62 100 which I love because I love older people yeah they're so cute like ah, they're adorable you learn so much from them the mm-hmm. stories that they tell you is right. just amazing so I absolutely love working with older people wow it's the best no yeah that's awesome I think you know when I had to um one time one of my abuelita not not my abuelita vita the mm-hmm. one that you know my other abuelita my mm-hmm. abuelita tila um she suffered from a lot of like heart issues yeah and um one day i had to take her to tri-city because yeah. uh she uh apparently and i don't know even the doctors were telling me they're like how is your grandma still alive yeah. like they were like her like blood pressure is like way up yeah. high like way too high like she shouldn't even be like walking mm-hmm. and um yeah they had to like put her this like whole i was like 17 at the mm-hmm. time and i took her and um they were just oh actually no i wasn't 17 i had just turned 18 and i took her and you know this kind of like um, nurse practitioner came mm-hmm. in because uh, I guess the doctor was in there uh, in the emergency yeah. uh, room and uh, she came in and she told me oh we're gonna put it was like this little liquid on mm-hmm. my grandma to try to see if it could like calm down yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know the name of it you might know all these <laughs> stuff but like um, yeah and then they told me they're like if your grandma's like heart like you know pressure doesn't like go down like mm-hmm. you know your grandma can possibly die and yeah. i remember like they told me this and i was 18 and i was trying to like call everybody yeah, and like nobody yeah. would pick up and i'm like you know they were starting to give me papers like here like sign these documents in case like something happens to your grandma like you know we're not hold responsible yeah. and like you're 18 and you're like wait like what like like what's me? going on yeah. yeah and i remember i started crying and then my grandma was like no mija like don't worry like i'm gonna be fine and i'm like like grandma but like nobody's answering me like what am I gonna Mm -hmm. do like I don't want you to like you know like it's nice to know that your grandkid is here with you but like I don't know like I was like you know si algo te pasa like your kids won't see you you know and it's gonna be me the last person and uh yeah it's just being like responsible for holding that responsibility like of someone else's life like yeah I think that's where I I am I faced it for the first time. Yeah. So. It's a lot of responsibility for sure. Yes, exactly. Um, so has there been a moment at work where you have been able to connect with a patient or learn something that made you stronger? Oh, yeah. All the time. Like I said, my patients are older, so they have right. a lot of wisdom. Um, I get a lot of veteran patients that were like in the oh. Navy, Army, Marines, oh. whatever. <laughs> It's not a veteran hospital, but okay. there's a lot of veterans, and they'll just tell me stories of 
Because back then, discipline was a big thing, right? Right. I, I understand kids need their freedom and, like, you know, everything. But back then, you fell in line when your parents told you to. You, like, right. paid attention. You just had to. And, to, like, for us, it was the same. Because, you know, like, Hispanic parents, like, oh, my gosh. Like, they're basically, like, your, <laughs> like sergeants. You're, right. like, their soldiers. But I just learned so many fun facts about, like... American history that's like the number one topic is <laughs> American history and just like stuff about life like the reason why I'm okay with patients passing away is because right. a patient once said I just changed my code status to do not resuscitate yesterday I want to be able to pass peacefully and she said do not worry about me. She said, do not worry about any of us that pass away on you because we're older. We've lived a full life. She said, just take care of my kids that are, we're older already. She said, help them process this. Tell them that I passed peacefully. So I kind of just stuck with that wow. mindset. And that's what gets me through when a patient passes is like, they're peaceful now. This is what they wanted. They're no longer suffering with all these medications, with all these like lines in them and tubes and drains and everything. Right. So that really stuck with me. And this little lady, she's still with me to like every day till now. Right. So that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 That's wow. That's a Man, I think that's the first time I have heard somebody, like, say, like, really tell them that I died peacefully. Yeah. Because, oh, man, no, I know that, like, unfortunately, like, my grandma and my dad, they had mm -hmm. to witness. Because, yeah, like, over there in Mexico, like, it is, like, the health department, oh, it's, so, it's different. so different. So different, yeah. Like, if you don't have money, they won't treat oh, you. yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and over here, well, you know. They'll treat you, but, you know, you'll get a big heavy bill yeah. on you if you don't have insurance. Um, but, yeah, I do remember that they, they had to witness seeing my brother pass away. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my brother, he was only 19. Yeah. So, yeah, at the time, I know that, like, my grandma, my brother had gotten his first chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And, well, since he had leukemia, you know, it was, I don't know what stage he was in, but yeah. I'm pretty sure he was already, like, if he, if he died within, you know, hours of getting his first chemo, I'm sure it was, it was yeah, late, either, yeah. yeah, three or four stage, um, but, um, but yeah, I remember that he, um, you know, um, his voice left, mm -hmm. which I'm not sure why it left, but it just, it left, and, um, and then my grandma, she called my dad and told her, like, hey, like, you need to come back. I know you're tired and, you know, you donated a lot of uh, plasma to uh, feed it, but you need to come back. And, yeah, I remember that my parents, you know, my dad and my grandma, they've shared that when my brother came, you know, um, to his final days, um, which was that day, uh, my, my dad arrived. And my grandma said, I think it's time. Mm -hmm. And, oh, man, my dad was like, I mean, this was his first child. Like, yeah, exactly. you know, it's like, imagine you having to just watch as your kid, like, Fades leaves. Away, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it was sad because, you know, they, they, they blessed him. And, you know, as soon as my dad blessed him, he closed his eyes. Mm -hmm. And, you know... I, 
like in a way I'm I'm sad that I wasn't there to say goodbye you know and I I remember reflecting upon it a lot when I was like a kid and I was like man like why why was I not there you know like we were over here trying to rush to get to you know get to Mexico and stuff and um yeah like looking back at it now and like even hearing like the Mm -hmm. stories that you know you've told me yeah I don't think I would have been strong enough I feel like even like as an eight-year-old seeing something like that would have been too traumatizing for me to see and process so so yeah so no thank you thank you once again like I'm always thinking (laughs) you but like (laughs) but yeah no thank you so much for doing that and you know for for just being a really great nurse Mm -hmm. you know because um because yeah sometimes we um as society we don't recognize the work that it takes to be a nurse Mm -hmm. sometimes but but I'm here to tell you that yeah thank, thank you. you so much thank you, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> if I'm ever which I don't I don't think so because I'm, I'm pretty healthy but if it ever happens like I'll try to see if I can get you as a nurse <laughs> okay. be like I need um Mrs. Narrows or how do you how do they call the nurses like do they say like uh uh we just call each other by our first names oh okay yeah. cool cool yeah no so um last question mm-hmm. i always like to ask this question because like it's just this is what people are gonna remember you as mm-hmm. you know whoever listens to us if your nephew because i know you have a nephew yeah. you know one day he'll be listening to this and this is a like this is why it's super important for me to like make these podcast episodes yeah. especially with people that i've i've grown up with because you know life is going to continue going but this is what we're going to leave behind so um i wanted to ask you Mm -hmm. um how do you want to be remembered jenny um i i would say like i just want people to know and remember that i tried my best to be kind Mm -hmm. and to care about other people um I think over the years I learned to stand up for myself a little bit more and sometimes right. it, sometimes it comes across as like I'm being a bitch or like <laughs> I'm being like rude or whatever but that's that's because people don't really see me outside of being nice. Right. So it comes off as bad. But I just want people to know that I tried my best and I tried to be nice to everybody and I always put everybody first and Right. I hope that comes across well being a nurse and I hope I get oh, rewarded yes. for that one day because it's so hard and like I'm telling you all these things and I just want people to know that I'm a kind human and that's oh yes you are girl so that's how I would like to be remembered <laughs> no yes you are and I mean you know even even when you feel like you know you're not doing enough or you you wish you could have done more for like a patient or whatever situation you were in just know that by by you going through this journey and being able to somehow like i was mentioned to you about like the statistics about you know the death rates of nurses like i know you're gonna surpass that and you know just know that that people like me and other people you know your family we we admire your your bravery because it takes a lot for somebody to be there and people's pretty much last days so yeah you definitely hope so and i hope 
I don't know. It sounded like I was complaining the whole time, but I, I, I just, I feel like people make it seem like it's this glamorous life, and right. yes, we do get paid well, and I'm not one to say like I need more money, but I really do think nurses don't get paid enough because we play many roles, we wear many hats, right. and I think the reason why I'm so like. I just want people to say that I'm or think that I'm a good nurse and I'm a good person is because because I'm doing so many things at work, I'm not just being a nurse. Sometimes we're so short staffed that we don't have like a charge nurse, which is basically like a manager. Mm-hmm. Imagine stores without a manager and the employees are just in charge for everything. It's right. crazy. So sometimes we don't have a charge nurse. Sometimes we don't have a nurse aides. So I have to do everything for the patient. And sometimes we don't have what we call sitters. So, for example, if somebody's going through alcohol withdrawals, they get very aggressive, disoriented. You know, they're hitting you and everything. Usually there's a sitter to sit with them so they don't fall, right? Because they're wobbly on their feet. Sometimes I play the sitter role. So it's hard to play so many roles at the same time. And I can't provide the care that I want to for my patients. I would love to bathe every single patient that I had and get them ready for the day because I work night shift and maybe at the end of the night I could make them look nice and everything. But the family comes in in the morning, they're like, why wasn't this done? Why wasn't that done? Why didn't you do this? And the nurse is the one that gets the front of it. We're the ones that get yelled at by the family. So I just want people to know that I'm trying my best. All of us nurses, we're trying our best. We're It's just really bad conditions that we're all working under right now. So we need people in healthcare. If you're at all interested in being a nurse, being a nurse aide, just go for it. Give it a try. You will always have job security. You will always have a job, which yes. is good. So <laughs> it's hard. Nursing school's hard, but you can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. I was... It's just... Like, we just need so many people. So I wasn't, I hope it didn't sound like I was complaining the whole time. No, I just want to be no. real. I want to be true. And that's kind of why I pitched the idea to you because I want to share what it's like. And I want everybody to know firsthand what yes. it's like. But I still encourage people to be a nurse because it's so rewarding. Yep. Even like if one patient is nice to me. Or I can speak to a patient in Spanish because they don't speak English. That, like, overwhelms me with joy, and that surpasses any other bad thing that I've been through. So that's what I'm going to end up saying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Jenny, for being part of this podcast and, Mm -hmm. you know, for everything. And just know that I love you very much, and I'm really grateful for you, too. (laughs)